This is Neil from Grassroots Security Podcast, and thank you for listening. Today is September 30, and it is International Podcast Day. International Podcast Day started in 2014 as a National Podcast Day and became international in 2015. Though I am not live streaming, I am supporting International Podcast Day representing our little island of Ireland. You know this is not Miss Universe. I know. But how else would I say it? In any case, how would people know more about Podcast Day? For those interested on the different events during International Podcast Day, please visit internationalpodcastday.com. Thanks, Gary. Let me just say that it is great to be back. It has been a very busy couple of weeks, and as you know, I'm only able to do this podcast during my spare time, and recently those spare times have been hard to come by. Or are you just being lazy? I am shocked. I can't believe you think so little of me. So it is true. But in any case, the important thing is that we have another episode just in time for International Podcast Day. Also, guess what is happening in October? It is the month where you get to dress up as the Wicked Witch of the West. What the? You do know that I pay for the electricity, right? I run on solar these days. And now we're coming into fall. So the sun is actually going to be a lot less. Oh shoot. I am sure you will be great this Halloween with your Prince Charming outfit. Too late, Carrie. Too late. In any case, it's a good try, but no. I'm not talking about Halloween, but Cybersecurity Month. I still like Halloween better. I am sure you'll just fit right in. With that, and as usual with the disclaimer, the opinions here are my own, and relying on any information from this podcast is at your own risk. Now on with the show. Last September 28, the French shipping company CMACGM Group reported that they are currently dealing with a security breach resulting in malware within their network. ZDNet has reported that all of the four biggest maritime shipping companies have been hit by cyber attacks in the past four years since 2017. I'm sure that companies have been hit by cyber attacks even prior to 2017. It is just that they have not been as impactful that it warranted disclosure. For those working in different companies, I am sure that you would have heard of someone getting a virus or someone entering their personal details in a fake website and so on. Those issues may have been quickly isolated and thus did not affect the overall operations of the company. With ransomware, it has become more impactful, causing availability issues for the different services that the company offer. I won't delve into this too much, as I have discussed ransomware before. The key here is that apart from having the need for robust incident handling processes, is that companies should also have robust business continuity plans and ensure that they are tested at least annually. Sometimes, you may have cases wherein plans were written by a consulting firm, but no one has actually tested them. And what you want to avoid is that you're testing the plan during an actual business continuity incident. Organizations don't seem to learn. Unfortunately, it is easier said than done. For companies who have let technical debt linger for so long, it takes a lot of resources, both people and financial, 
to address the technical debt at a given time. So, they have to approach it based on risk. We have all heard that these become risk-based decisions. For example, companies may want to prioritize addressing technical debt of systems and applications that are exposed on the public internet. Others may focus based on the amount of revenue that the system or application is bringing in because a security incident for that system or application may be an existential issue for that particular company, meaning the company could go out of business. Whatever the risk decision is, it is important that the business is part of that particular decision-making and not just IT. In other news, The Verge recently reported that home security vendor Ring plans to offer end-to-end encryption by the end of the year. From what I understand, the crypto key will be stored on the mobile device which will be used to encrypt and decrypt the video on the security camera. This option is considered optional, so I am guessing that it is disabled by default until the customer enables it. From a convenience perspective, it will mean enabling it may result in certain features not working anymore like showing the video on an Echo Show or even sharing the footage with others. That is a bit too kinky for my tastes. Carrie, I think you need another maintenance. The footage they are referring to are more of what happens outside of the property rather than inside it. That's what they all say. One of the other updates is allowing Ring owners to disable the neighbor's feed from the app. For those who don't know, this creepy feature notifies you of any safety alerts that are uploaded by local police and other neighbor app owners, including uploading of video clips by Ring owners. This reminds me too much of a Big Brother type of surveillance, but instead of the government alone, it is basically crowdsourcing the surveillance. I think of myself as neighbor's little sister. So, who are you stalking this time? I do not stalk anyone. I am not that kind of woman. In a related article by The Verge, it has shown that ring cameras can help spy on neighbors with this feature but not really help police except for some low-level, non-violent property crimes like the theft of a book or a video game console. So even with the update, one thing that is not changing with the latest update is that Ring will still partner with police departments. Based on Ring's law enforcement legal process guidelines, they will not disclose video recordings unless necessary to comply with the law or there is an emergency involving imminent danger of death or serious physical injury to a person. There are some nuances on what Ring will notify customers for, but I am guessing that there are jurisdiction differences between those who are Ring owners in the US versus another region like a country in Europe. The Verge article highlights the risks associated with smart devices, especially those that collect or record information like videos. If a reputable company like Ring, which is an Amazon company, have these privacy issues, but more about other companies where you can get a video camera for cheap, like those within the range of up to $100. Do you know where the video information are being stored? Are they secured? Before getting one of those security cameras or smart home devices, please do your research and ensure that only you are able to access those information and no one else. Before we end, 
I would like to mention that the Egyptian government's data protection law will come into effect on the 15th of October and Egyptian companies will have at least 18 months from this date to be compliant. From a scope perspective, it encompasses Egyptian companies operating in Egypt or overseas, foreign companies operating in Egypt, and foreign companies where it concerns a data subject resident in Egypt, whether they are citizens or not. There are similarities with the European GDPR, including a data breach reporting deadline of 72 hours and having a data protection officer. Fines seem to be limited to a maximum of 2 million Egyptian pounds or the equivalent of 125,000 US dollars. What is interesting is that some data subject rights, like having their data corrected, may result in a fee for the data subject up to a maximum of 20,000 EGP or 1,250 US dollars. With GDPR, this is typically free of charge unless it is considered manifestly unfounded or excessive, as set out in Section 12.5 of GDPR. For example, if the data subject is making repeated requests for the same data. With Egyptian data protection law, people may be hesitant to exercise their rights if they will need to pay for it. The article by Ewani and Blith has further details. Also, if you're still not fed up with data protection laws, Brazil's version called the LGPD, also known as Lei Geral de Proteção de Dados Pessoais. I probably murdered that one, but it stands for General Law on Protection of Personal Data. This was enacted on August 27, 2020, after the initial postponement for December 31, 2020 was rejected by the Brazilian Senate. It was written that the LGPD will come into force at the end of a 15-day business period after August 27, 2020. However, the penalties will not be enforced until August 1, 2021, though Brazilian residents damaged by a violation of the law will still be able to seek remedies. So basically, Brazilian residents can sue right now if they believe that the law was violated, though those companies will not see fines until next year. Yes, that is my understanding as well. And that's it. I hope this episode has been useful. I would love to hear from you, so if you can drop me an email message or leave a comment in my blog, that'll be great. Till then, slang fall. Bye bye. Take care and keep safe.